Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, Marketing Program Manager, and your host for this week's episode. Today on Order Up, I'm speaking with Sean Kennedy, Executive Vice President of Public Affairs here at the National Restaurant Association. For several reasons, the past few weeks have been a tumultuous time for our country and our industry. As we prepare to welcome a new administration, we are seeing coronavirus cases increasing throughout the country. The restaurant industry is now facing heightened dining restrictions and additional closures. Sean will brief us on how we're working closely with our state restaurant partners and what the coming lame duck and 2021-2022 congressional sessions mean for restaurants. He'll also share a preview of what's to come and the most important details restaurants need to know as President-elect Biden assumes office in January. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time out of what we know is a very busy schedule these days. So let's get started. Can you start us off with a quick introduction and what your role here at the National Restaurant Association entails? Sure. The public affairs team at the National Restaurant Association is really focused on the advocacy efforts and representing uh, the interest of the restaurant industry from the chain to the franchise to the small independent and everybody in between at the federal, state, and local level. So we have a policy team that focuses on analyzing proposals that are going on. Uh, we have an advocacy team that has the relationships and the access. Uh, we have a state and local grassroots team that really focuses on how do we mobilize the everything that we're doing uh, with the restaurant community and how do we allow them to be part of this democracy as well. And then finally, we have the Restaurant Law Center, which is a vital part of making sure that our interests are represented uh, at the federal court and state court level as well. Perfect. So getting into the meat of our conversation, um, tell me a bit about where we stand with the um, with a relief bill for restaurants. What is the status on this and what do restaurants need to know right now? So right now we are still in sort of a holding pattern and it's completely frustrating. And it's completely unacceptable. Congress hasn't done anything substantive for the any businesses since the CARES Act was passed in March of this year. So that's eight months ago. And during that time, no industry has lost more jobs and more revenue than the restaurant industry. We are continuing to make the press for an industry-specific solution, something like the Senate version of the Restaurants Act. Uh, but we also, to be honest, the, the restaurant industry can't wait. Uh, the National Restaurant Association is also highly focused on what are ways in which state governments can help with new regulations to allow us to operate more efficiently. Uh, local regulations. We are doing a lot more challenges in the courts through things like the business interruption insurance challenges. Uh, we cannot rely just on focusing our efforts on advocacy before Congress because there's just not enough happening uh, with them right now. We Restaurants just can't wait. Understandable. Uh, so looking at opportunities, the U.S. is welcoming a new administration in January. Um, can you talk to us a bit about where the Biden administration Um, what they can do for the restaurant industry, and are there some specific presidential orders uh, that Biden and his team can act on without congressional approval? We are uh, really looking forward to working with the president-elect and his team. We've already had great conversations with the transition team. There are a lot of arguments to be made for why Joe Biden may be the only person that can fix the situation that we're in. Uh, you begin with somebody who's much more of a legislator than uh, than a member of the executive branch. So he's very comfortable cutting deals. He is really a party centrist. He's going to find the gravitational 
the, the center of gravity on any major political debate. Um, and he has an optimistic view of the GOP. He wants to find a, a close working relationship. Um, he has worked well with Mitch McConnell, the Senate majority leader in the past. And then, you know, finally, I think he gets that we are not looking for a transformational. What, what, what voters seem to have said is they're not looking for a transformational figure. They're looking for a transitional figure. He needs to get us out of the challenges that we're in right now. To answer your question on what are things that the executive branch can do, we are working with the Biden administration's uh, transition team on what are things that they can do on day one after the president-elect is sworn in. Uh, it could be things ranging from um, ensuring that PPP loans are considered tax-deductible for small bu- for for your uh, for for business expenses that you've made. That would provide immediate assistance. Jumpstarting things on idle loans would be a big critical one as well, things with SBA. And then last is obviously really pushing Congress in a big way to do a comprehensive bill uh, that has a component carved out for the restaurant industry. The failure really is not an option. They cannot continue to go eight months in and not put something together. So we are there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectations on this incoming administration, and we're going to be as vocal and uh, as aggressive as we can be. Very good. Let's talk uh, a bit about policy at the state and local level. What actions can state and local lawmakers take uh, to help make restaurant operations more efficient? Obviously, the number one item is going to be if there's financial support they can offer to the restaurant industry that's being shut down in so many states by 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 gubernatorial order. Uh, but a lot of state coffers are bare. So we are not just looking for cash. We're looking for are there ways at least that restaurants can run more efficiently. Uh, obviously, things like the off-premise sale of alcohol has been a huge focus for us, uh, and we've been engaged in virtually every state on this since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, have shown real results working incredibly closely with our state restaurant association partners. At the local level, what are ways in which mayors can cut through red tape and allow restaurants to operate more efficiently? So that might be something as something as small as improving the zoning rules, uh, the permitting process to allow a restaurant to get a reserved parking spot for takeout and delivery. Uh, does that sound like a big deal? No. Is it huge for restaurants that are relying on delivery and takeout as a crucial source of income? Yes, they need that revenue. Uh, we are playing on that space as well. We just did a conference earlier uh, last month with the U.S. Conference of Mayors on what are more ways that we can work together and find ways just to get the restaurants to survive this winter period until we can get larger uh, a larger response from Congress here in Washington. Give your customers what they want. Assurance that your restaurant is carefully following the recommended reopening guidance. With a ServeSafe dining commitment at ServeSafeCommit.org. In four easy steps, you can give your customers dining peace of mind when you make the ServeSafe dining commitment. You'll receive a decal, digital marketing kit, and big discounts on ServeSafe products. Learn more at ServeSafeCommit.org. That's S-E-R-V-S-A-F-E, commit.org. Uh, you spoke briefly about the Restaurant Law Center um, previously. Tell me how, um, I know they've been active during the pandemic um, on cases that are important to the industry. So what should we be watching here? Tell us what's important. The mission of the Restaurant Law Center, again, is to focus on 
representing the interest of this industry, uh, pushing back when it's necessary against uh, other industries or other government policies that just don't make sense and, and, and are not advancing the interest of the nation's second largest private sector employer. So there are really two things that we've been working on as of late. Uh, one, and this doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's absolutely critical, is what to do at business interruption insurance claims. Virtually every restaurant, as a condition for their lease, has to have business interruption insurance. And that's supposed to take care of you in the event of a natural disaster. For so many restaurants, uh, COVID-19 and the shutdowns that have occurred as a result of it represent that natural disaster. And the uh, they, they should be able to collect payments from the premiums that they've been paying for years, if not decades now. Very few insurance companies are stepping up, and all of them are retreating to the courts, and we're going to follow them there. So we have filed uh, amicus briefs in a number of jurisdictions. We are working to create precedent. We're working to create case law that can be used to try to either reach a settlement or to try to reach an overall judgment that will finally open up uh, negotiations and to finally get insurance companies to start making some payouts for restaurant claims on business interruption. So more is to come on that front. Um, something else we've been growing more active in is the notion of a second round of state closures of restaurants. Uh, there's a lot of ambiguity on the data here, and a lot of governors are making sort of knee-jerk reactions in shutting down restaurants a second time. In some instances, they're basing it on data. In some instances, they really aren't. They're not taking into account the social distancing uh, rules that are in place. They're not taking into account the investments that restaurants have made to make their restaurants safer and more COVID-19 compliant, and they're just arbitrarily being shut down. The Restaurant Law Center is joining uh, cases, is filing cases with our partners at the State Restaurant Association level to push back on that. Uh, again, we can't just focus on what's happening in Congress. The world is passing us by in the meantime at the state level, at the local level, at state and federal courts, uh, and the National Restaurant Association is going to be engaged on all fronts. Very good. Um, you talked a bit about how we're working with the states. Is there anything else uh, that the association is doing to work alongside uh, state partners to help support the industry? Well, we have there are 52 state restaurant associations, all 50 states and uh, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. And really, the state restaurant associations are a they're a one stop resource, a one stop shop for any state restaurant that's looking for guidance on. Uh, what's the latest on reopening guidance, which we work very closely to develop. But if they're looking for what's the latest from the state legislature, what's the latest from the governor, what's happening with mayors and what's happening with county executives, the state restaurant associations have those contacts. They have those resources to really provide soup to nuts uh, approach on everything that a struggling restaurant needs right now in order to survive this week. Uh, this month or this year. They are absolutely a critical partner with the National Restaurant Association. Uh, we are doing calls with them every couple of days right now where we're both giving our guidance and we're taking input from them. We are never been working more closely than we have right now. We have a lot of work to get done in front of us moving into 2021, and uh, every state restaurant association is going to be a critical part of that. Very good. So let's look forward. What are you most hopeful for with this new shift in leadership? The biggest question that we get right now is how much can get done in Washington in 2021? 
And to be honest, we're all going to have to find that out together. There is a case to be made for why more can be done. You've got Mitch McConnell, Joe Biden, and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, They're legislators. They have combined 113 years of experience cutting deals. Uh, You have a COVID crisis and a struggling economy that are demanding cooperation and bipartisan agreement from voters. Um, what you saw is the, the rise. We might see the rise of the moderate in both parties, who are just looking for basic common sense progress on problems. Uh, and then it's. I know that we just got through the 2020 elections. 2022, believe it or not, is uh, already being thought about. The Senate GOP majority, uh, if they retain the majority after this Georgia runoff, they have a lot more seats to defend in 2022 than um, than than Senate Democrats do. Meanwhile. The House Democrats, uh, they face their smallest majority since World War II. So the 2022 elections are going to be on everybody's mind, and both parties should have an incentive for putting something together and demonstrating they can work together and that they should be uh, allowed to keep their jobs in 2022. But on the other end of the spectrum, we're worried. Are you going to have the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and the and the ultra conservative wing of the Republican Party looking for ideological purity, viewing the other party as an enemy? Uh, we really hope it's not going to come to something like that. What is how social media paint people who compromise? Will it be viewed as courage and patriotism, or will it be viewed as treachery? We are going to work find a way to thread the needle and advance the interest of what everyone agrees is should be a nonpartisan entity, the restaurant industry, uh, amidst what could be some really turbulent waters here in Washington next year. You have given so much valuable information and incredible insights here. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask about uh, that you think is important for our listeners to know? Washington, D.C. is an incredibly noisy town right now. People aren't meeting face to face. It's all Zoom calls. Uh, we have got great relationships on both sides of the aisle with every key member, uh, virtually every member of Congress, because every member of Congress has a favorite restaurant that they love. What always amplifies our message is the grassroots network uh, from the National Restaurant Association and our state partners. Uh, we have put out probably well over one million emails and, and texts and phone calls to Capitol Hill making the case it's gotten us on the radar. We are gaining traction. We just can't let our foot off the gas. Uh, if folks have not signed up for our distribution list at restaurantsact.com, we keep you informed as to what's going on here in Washington, how you can stay engaged, how you can add your voice. We try to be very selective on when we activate folks and say, now's the time to weigh in. But if folks aren't part of that system, if they aren't part of our network, Now's the time to join. Uh, No one can stay on the sidelines at this point. The stakes are just too high. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Sean. And we will talk with you soon. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Give your customers what they want. Assurance that your restaurant is carefully following the recommended reopening guidance. With a ServeSafe dining commitment at servesafecommit.org. In four easy steps, you can give your customers dining peace of mind when you make the ServeSafe dining commitment. You'll receive a decal, digital marketing kit, and big discounts on ServeSafe products. Learn more at servesafecommit.org. That's S-E-R-V-S-A-F-E, commit.org. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. 
Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.